And I had said, your why has to be bigger than the race. The essence, your, your core has to call you to want to finish that race. And, and if you toe the line and you don't have this spiritual connection with the race, or you don't have this thing like, I want to be here, I want to beat this race, then you're never going to actually do it. You have to want to be there. And that's my why is just being there in Leadville and it just calls to you and, and it's rugged and it's tough and it's considered one of the harder 100s. And so that's another thing. It's like, Hey, this is a tough one. This isn't just an easy one. The cutoffs are super tight. They don't mess around and they will yank you right off the course. They're like, yep, you're done. And so that, that's what's the cool part too about it is like, it's just not given to you. You don't, you don't just get to run it and finish it. You, you got to earn, you got to earn every step of it. Running a hundred miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100, the podcast for beginner ultra runners. I'm Jacob Bateman, and joined along with me today is my fellow co-host and lovely wife, Melody. And joined along with us today, we have two special guests. They both go by the name Jared, but for the sake of this podcast, one goes by Chief, one goes by Jared. These are a couple of really good friends who just decided one day that they wanted to run the Leadville 100 mile race. Now, neither had really run any ultra marathons up to that point. They had done Ironmans, but were fairly new and didn't really know a lot about the ultra running world. And here they decided to dive into one of the hardest 100 mile races that you can start off with. So we're going to hear about their stories and how they trained and how they ran their first 100-mile race, and how one of them is still on that quest for his first 100-mile race. Guys, they have some very valuable insights, just two down-to-earth good guys, and they also have a podcast of their own called The OK Runners. They live in the great state of Oklahoma, so I know you guys are going to enjoy this one, so here we go. Well, thank you, Jared and Chief, for joining us on the podcast today. We are so excited to chat with both of you guys about your ultra running story. Yeah, I, I, I was really cool to link up with you guys through Blake. He's like, I consider him a social media influencer. He he said that he isn't. <laughs> that guy is worldwide. I run into some more people than no you know. And so he was like, hey, I was on a podcast and mentioned you guys. They might be reaching out. And so. I was. I know Jared and I were super stoked that you guys reached out and wanted to record. It's our first time being on someone else's podcast for once, and it's really, really cool experience. It's cool to to know that our podcast has landed us here with you guys today. Yes. Well, it's a great podcast. We were stoked to get you guys on. I mean, honestly, for all our listeners, I hope you stick with us. But I have been listening to your podcast and I keep listening to it. And I'm like, man, these guys are good. I got to get better. Like, these guys know where it's at. But anyway, so and yes, Blake McGee, for those of you who are just tuning in, is a previous guest of our podcast. I'd highly encourage 
checking him out. And he is an influencer because when we found him, he had put a comment that had a hundred likes on a Facebook page. <laughs> I was like, who is this dude? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I was obviously excited to be on here, guys. I was going to say too, when, once we made this connection, I started listening to you guys too. And, and y'all's podcast is awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed it. You know, Chief and I, when we first got started, we felt like there just wasn't a lot out there for, you know, people who were not already very serious, accomplished runners. And so, you know, I feel like you guys are kind of getting at the same thing that gave us our initial idea. It was, you know, how about, how about the people who've never done this before, you know, who's out there talking to them. And so I've, I've enjoyed listening to you guys' episodes and trying to catch up. And so really love what you all are doing. Thank you so much. And so, and so speaking of that, that's why we wanted to bring you guys on today is because yes, this podcast is for the beginner ultra runners, maybe just the people who just want to go run a hundred miles once just to say they did it to experience it, you know? So what about you two, what drew you guys to decide that you wanted to run a hundred miles, let alone on your first hundred run the Leadville 100? Well, I'll let Jared start that off since that's the reason we want to get Leadville. I feel like every time Chief tells the story, it's not exactly the way I remember it. <laughs> no, I think, you know, Chief and I had been had been doing some things together. We were doing Ironmans and we had we had done a couple Ironmans together. We had gone around and done some cool 70.3 races. And I, I felt like, you know, we hadn't really talked about it, but we had sort of naturally reached a point where it was like, okay, we've done that. What's next for us? And and we had never talked about running 100 miles. And in fact, I really had never thought about running 100 miles. But one, it, it was, I think it was an early January and I was sitting at a restaurant and I was just thinking like, what what could be the next thing? What could be the next big thing that would get us excited again, that would make us kind of feel like we did the first time we decided, hey, let's do an Ironman. And there was something about the Leadville 100 that just like captured me. It wasn't, it wasn't even the idea of running a hundred miles. I don't like the idea of a hundred miles is not what got me really interested. There was something about that race in particular, but at the time, given what we had done and I was by no means a runner of, of any kind, I thought, you know, if we talk about this and think about it and analyze it, we're not going to do it. And so my thought was, I'm just going to sign up. I'm just going to sign up. And if I happen to get in the lottery, I'll figure out later how to do it. And so sitting at that restaurant, I just went ahead and I signed up. And then once I signed up, I decided, you know, I should really look at how this race works, how to get in this race. And in doing that, I figured out if you sign up as a team, your chances of getting in the lottery go up. And I thought, well, I happen to know a few guys that are pretty crazy and so I sent a text message to Chief and said, Chief, I signed up for the Leadville 100, but great news. If we do it as a team, we have a better chance of getting in. So you have two hours to decide, are you going to sign up also? That to, to three people who I thought would have a chance of deciding yes, lo and behold, they all decided yes. And so we entered that first year of the lottery as a team, still thinking we didn't have much of a chance. And we got selected. And so we were in the race and I had literally never thought about running a hundred miles. I had never run an ultra marathon or even had any desire to, there was just something about that race that made me think I want to be in it. Yeah. And 
I, I grew up running and like, so my, my parents both ran and I ran cross country and, but there's a difference between a 5k and a hundred miler. And I real I always, I saw Leadville 100 one time in a magazine. I don't remember where, but these iconic visions of, you know, running above the clouds, you're in the mountains. And I absolutely love running in, that, in the mountains. And I got into off-road ultras like 50k distances and i really enjoyed that much more in the pavement side and i always wanted to run the leadville 100 but i wanted to retire from the military so i could spend six months of my life like training for it and getting ready and being prepared and then i got a random text from jared and i was like well i i can't let him do it by himself because if he finishes <laughs> and i don't then i'm going to be super jealous so I ended up signing up with him thinking zero chance there's like thousands of people that enter every year and no chance and not realizing that if one of us got selected since we were group injury we all get selected at that point and so that's how it kind of landed on the leadville 100 i love it fomo is powerful fomo is very powerful i was just gonna say so so you're saying that it wasn't a hundred miles that captured you. It was specifically the Leadville 100 that captured you. I'm just curious, what about the Leadville 100 captured have you, guys, you? Have you guys ever been to Leadville? We yes. have been. Yeah, it's cool. awesome. Right when you, it was above. It was just because it was such a high elevation one that that race and like mm-hmm. it seemed. What I thought that what I envisioned in the race wasn't what the race was, which is fine because the race was still awesome. But when when I got to Leadville, when we went there for a training run, then I, I was like, yeah, now now I understand why understand why Leadville's so iconic is because you, you get outside Denver, you're in Denver, you're going to this big metro city, and like it's all hubbub and busy, and then you get to Leadville and it's slow, and it's just a, a town full of blue collar people that want to do really hard things and they embrace that race and that, that city, that little town out there is this mining town and it's just rugged and it's rough. And it gets back to the essence of who we are as, as people and how we're where we started and where we began. And I just love that town for that reason. And I love that race because that race means everything for them. And it means everything to everybody that comes and runs there too. So that's why I, I like Leadville. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's similar for me, for sure. I think there was something about the the change between what we had been doing. You know, we'd been on the road, we'd been doing Ironmans, and all of that feels very structured and, and rigid. And the Leadville race felt really raw. You know, the, the kind of idea of climbing mountains and being at, you know, these altitudes that some people never go to, you know, much less kind of experience in a, in a 100 mile race setting. There was just something to me that felt very like spiritual about it. And I was like, okay, that that's what I need right now. You know, I mean, I, it it just happened to be a time when I was just sort of searching for something else that would give, you know, us something to look forward to and to train for and to kind of immortalize in our mind. And and that felt like it fit the bill for me. You know, as you say that, it makes me think about like races that I've chosen to run, run in the past and some races that didn't even happen because it, it just didn't, it might've sounded good on paper, but for some reason it wasn't hitting my heart, you know? 
And I think what you're sharing is actually super important, especially when you're choosing your first ultra or your first hundred or any ultra, to be honest, because of all the work that it takes in. It's got to really, it's got to hit your heart. It has to resonate with you. It's almost got a call to you. You know, I, I could not agree with that more. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, and I've even thought this myself as I've, you know, kind of gone through these attempts at finishing Leadville that have not been successful yet. You know, people have said, well, why not, why not try a different one? Why not try a different hundred? And it's like, cause I don't want to do just a hundred mile race. I want to do this race. And, and I don't, I can't explain why I feel the way that I do. And I think some of it has to do with like, this is, this was the initial one. This is what got us into this. And so there's something about it that feels unfinished that you almost can't move on from without finishing. And so I, I really do feel kind of like, kind of like you, it's, it, there's something that it, it speaks to inside of you and, you know, you, you just can't help that. And you had asked before we recorded about what some tips you had for people or a motivational thing. And, and I had said, your why has to be bigger than the race. And that's Leadville. Like, like you said, the essence, your your core has to call you to want to finish that race. And, and if you toe the line and you don't have this spiritual connection with the race, or you don't have this thing like, I want to be here, I want to beat this race, then you're never going to actually do it. You have to want to be there. And that's my why is just being there in Leadville and it just calls to you and, and it's rugged and it's tough. And it's considered one of the harder 100s. And so that's another thing. It's like, Hey, this is a tough one. This isn't just an easy one. The cutoffs are super tight. They don't mess around and they will yank you right off the course. There's no, they have no like no connection with you. They're like, yep, you're done. And so that that's, what's the cool part too about it is like, it's just not given to you. You don't, you don't just get to run it and finish it. You, you got to earn, you got to earn every step of it. So, so, now that you you're saying this, we live in Utah. There's, I mean, I live five minutes from a trailhead that goes straight up a mountain. So, like getting in vert, it's training, easy for us to get elevation. Yes. It's easy, yeah, very easy for us to mimic something like that. You guys live in Oklahoma, and I've lived where there there's before. what one mountain there, <laughs> barely. It's a hill. Or, yeah, I'm not sure of the technical definition yet. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. You got things that you don't know if you should classify as a mountain or a hill. But how did you, I guess, and take me into your training, how did you map out and and try to figure out, okay, here I'm going to run one of the world's highest races, 100 miles at that elevation. How do you train for that where you live at? That's probably been the most common question that we ran across of how did you guys train for elevation in Oklahoma? Did you get one of those elevation masks? And that was the first thing I, I did is I kind of started researching and Googling, like, what's the best way to mimic elevation? I'll just get one of those masks. But it turns out that wasn't a good way to train with the elevation mask. And so mm-hmm. the next thing to elevation was hot heat and humidity, which we do have plenty of those in Oklahoma. And so and I, this is bro science. I don't, don't, don't put this in a medical <laughs> journal. But as the humidity increases, it displaces oxygen because there's moisture in the air. And so when you're running in the hottest part of the day, it mimics that elevation. And then you're, you're getting hot and it's much more tough to run because you're hot and, and the, the humidity in the air makes the oxygen a little bit less. And so what I would do again, bro science, this is not scientific journal stuff, but I would go run at the very hottest part of the day. 
And then I would get in a sauna sleeping bag in my attic and I would sit in my sauna sleeping bag for 15 minutes just to get my, I had no idea if it worked, but I was like, this is all I can do. And this is what I'm going to do. And we would run our long runs on the weekend. We ran a couple of them. We ran that 50 miler that went all day long and it was super hot that day too. Super exposed, dirt roads, gravel, running in the hills. But the best thing I could do was I just ran at the very hottest part of the day and try to try to run where it was the most difficult so that when I got to the hardest part of the race, it wouldn't be as difficult at that time. And when, I, when we got there, we, we acclimated to it for like seven days. But the elevation, the only time I ever really felt it was going up hope both times just because the, the vert is so intense. You're just climbing. It seems like a set of stairs for four straight miles and no switchbacks. They don't believe in switchbacks in Colorado, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even have any poles or anything. It was just, I was the only person on the mountain with no poles. And I felt like an idiot because they're like, where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) So take us, take us to race day. Since you're already starting to hit at it, you've gone through this intense training program and you get there, it's race day morning. How are you guys feeling for your first hundred looking to do it in under 30 hours? Golly, you know, we were excited. We, I think that, you know, leading up to it, the days, the weeks leading up to it, you know, I, I think anytime you're kind of trying to do something you've never done before, there's a lot of anxiety that you deal with. There's a lot of doubts, right? I mean, you, you all the time, I mean, your brain does that thing where it goes back through all of your sort of training failures and it, and it tells you how those are going to come back to bite you, you know, that day. And so I think the days and the weeks leading up to it, we dealt with a lot of that, but the morning of the race, man, I I think a lot of those things go away and, and are replaced with, with excitement. I mean, I remember, you know, us all standing there, and I think having a feeling that like, this is incredible. This is a, this is going to be an epic day, no matter what happens, you know, after this point, this is going to be something that is a memory in your life. And, and there's a feeling of that, I think, at least for me at the beginning. And so, you know, I felt really good. I felt really excited. I, there's even like a, a bit of confidence that comes in, even though you've been dealing with those doubts for the last few days. It, that was the first race I've ever done or when I towed the line, I didn't know if I could finish like any other races that we had done. I, I was, I was confident. I was like, ah, I'll be able to finish this race. I'll be fine. I, just a matter of like when, not if, but that race, it's like, man, I hope my training was good enough. I hope cause my wife is out here where we've got all this food that I didn't eat an ounce of anyway, <laughs> prepared and ready to go for the race. <laughs> And we had this giant game plan and the spouses had come together. We really like came wow. together as a team and like really game plan for it the whole time. And then I remember him and I got up at two in the morning because the race starts at four. And when I was out there, like getting my stuff together and Jared came out in the living room by Airbnb and I was like, remember you signed us up for this. And <laughs> <laughs> when we got to the line, all those nerves went away and they're like singing the national anthem and they got mm-hmm. the shot and they fire at the beginning to start it. And emotionally, it was like overwhelming for me because <clears throat> it was like all this training that we had done and everything that we'd went through and we were paused for COVID. And it was like, holy cow, 
like here we are it's it's game time and then my watch my heart rate was through the roof and we got <laughs> on the line it was like the first part of the race was like just it couldn't have went any worse for for me anyway and I just thought, well, Chief's heart rate was was so off of what we were used to that we all convinced ourselves that his watch was messed up. Oh, yeah. wow. it was like that <laughs> that's got to be wrong. It was, so it was like, like, yeah, it's probably it's probably messed up. Let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and got the, uh, newer. I got the Garmin Phoenix for the race because my Garmin nine ten didn't have a battery for it, and it was like one seventy. And like we were not going very fast. It was like mile three. And I'm like, dude, the wheels are already <laughs> like unhitched the wagon. I'm going home. Done. And I was taking it off. I was wiping it on my shirt. I was like, there's gotta be something wrong with this watch. And it just kept saying it. It kept saying it. I was like, and the guys were they were so nice about it. They're like, you guys want to stop? You want to stop and walk for a little bit? I'm like, nope, we don't have time for that. Like, either I'm just gonna run it and I, either I blow up. Where I finish. That's all I have at the moment. So yeah, a lot of nerves, right? Because you do all this training and everything's so specific and rigid. And just like Mike Tyson says, you everybody has a plan that they get punched in the mouth. And when you get to that race, in, in mile three, I'm getting punched in the mouth. And it's like when I couldn't eat anything because my heart rate was so high. I was feeling nauseous and I didn't want to say anything to anybody. And my wife had like, hey, here's your burrito. And I'm like, I don't want burrito. I don't want pizza. I don't want you like you're gonna eat. This burrito that we've cooked all night long. <laughs> oh man, that's scary when the wheels are falling off when you still have 97 miles left. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, in hearing this story at this at this point of the story, you'd think that Chief doesn't finish and I do. And then, you know, it's by the end of the day, it it turns into the exact opposite of that. And so, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I think are are really incredible about these ultras is there are so many ups and downs. There are, you know, there are times where everything's going right and there are times where everything's going wrong. And and one of the things that I think is just so important is kind of having the the thought process going in your mind that like things are going to change from here. No, no matter what you're feeling right now, no matter how things are going right now, they're going to be different an hour from now and two hours from now. And and that's true whether things are going good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, just like, like the, that, a lot. that that famous what's up, Billy Yang. He has that that video on YouTube, Life in a Day, and that's what a hundred is. It's life in a day. You got your ups and you got your downs. You might be feeling great now, but the race can turn on you at any minute. And then you have to take care of everything instantaneously: a blister, hot spot, upset stomach, and like just because so many things can go wrong. Like Courtney Dewalter was saying, like she likes marathons because. Like you can kind of overcome about anything in a marathon because the race is just 26 miles, but with a hundred, like you can't, you don't, you don't really have the time to mess around when you're messing with cutoffs and stuff. So. Exactly. So speaking of things going wrong, Jared, what went wrong on that first attempt of the Leadville hundred? Cause I think that's honestly the DNF experiences I feel often are most valuable in learning, you know, about the do's and don'ts or what can happen and what to be prepared for. So take us through what happened, Jared. Yeah, golly, you know, you know, so many things happen and, and you, you problem solve what you can at the time. And then, you know, of course there are things now that the way I problem solved them turned out probably to not be a great idea, but you know, that, that first attempt, we had a, we had a good 
I would say a good morning, you know, for the first several hours, I think things were going roughly according to plan. You know, the, the big challenge at Leadville are the time cutoffs. And especially for somebody like me, I'm, I'm not even, I don't even consider myself a runner. I definitely don't consider myself a fast runner. And so the cutoffs were always something that I was very concerned about. And, you know, coming from Oklahoma, it's hard to, you know, if you do the math on like, what you have to average per mile to meet the cutoffs, you think, oh, I got that in the bag. No problem. Well, you know, when you're training in Oklahoma and then show up in Leadville and you start on your first real climb, you realize what you thought you could do per mile was a pipe dream. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a little it's a, different. <laughs> all, you, all you gotta do is, you know, 16 minutes a mile. No problem. Right. I can walk a good portion of it and still run a 16 minute mile. You don't necessarily factor in the thousand foot of gain in that mile. And so and so I think it, it quickly became apparent that what we thought we were going to hit target wise was not realistic. And I think for me, that created quite a bit of anxiety, probably earlier than I needed anxiety. You know, this the race for me is going to be hard no matter what the less anxiety I can deal with at like mile 15, the better. And so I was concerned about the time cutoffs. And I think really it made me probably rush a little more than I should have and needed to, because anytime there was something that I knew I should do, my default thought process would be, golly, I really don't have time to do that. I really don't have time. And so I I just kept trying to rush and just kept trying to rush. And I think it really cost me when it came to nutrition. I, I wasn't taking in what I should have been taking in. And, you know, if you do that over the course of 10 hours, when you hit hour 11, there's not a whole lot left there in the tank. And, and ultimately what proved to be my downfall, that first attempt was the front side of hope. I was just not ready for I thought I was ready for it. You know, I had, I didn't do the sauna suit that chief did to, <laughs> you know, back away. That's, that's just crazy. You know, I had, I had put time in on treadmill trying to get the the vert that we just can't get here in Oklahoma. And I just hadn't done enough of that, I think. And so what happened was when, when I hit the front side of hope, it started taking me way, way too long to cover the distance. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a race against the cutoff. And if you are in a race against the cutoff at 12,000 feet, you're, I think, setting yourself up for a pretty dramatic failure. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is, that would be terrible to race it, the cutoff that's, while you're racing up. That's the definitely the most stressful yeah. thing about ultras is that cutoff time, especially when you know that you're close. And I feel like it's so easy to get in your head. And then I think it's really common to think like, okay, maybe I get to this aid station and, and I, I make the cutoff, but then am I going to make the cutoff at the next aid station? Am I going to make, I still have 60 miles to yeah, go. Like, like I'm gonna keep this pace it's just a spiral. Yeah. 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 No, I think a spiral is a great way to describe it. I mean, I, I remember, having those exact same thoughts as I would kind of do the math in, in my head and go, okay, I, I'll make that cut off, but the next one, oh man, I don't know about. And it, it is so hard to stay in the moment. And, and I think, you know, it's so important to stay in the moment, but it is so hard to do that 
when when you know that that's going to be you know the the really the biggest challenge that you're facing and that was for me we we knew it from the moment we signed up we knew that you know if if there's a problem for me in particular it's going to be making these cutoffs for that first 62 miles so as you as you talk about that at what point i for our listeners were you pulled off the course then. Okay. So at Leadville, there is, you turn around at 50 miles. It's in an old abandoned town called Winfield. And so it is about, you, you start the hope climb at mile 42, probably mile Mm -hmm. 41, 42. Yeah. You start the front side of hope. And so you go up the front side of hope, you come down the back side of hope, and then there's about three miles on the Colorado trail to get to the turnaround. And that, that three miles in your head, you're thinking, I've just got to get down off the backside of Hope Pass, and then I can make that three miles in pretty decent time. That's a tougher three miles than what it seems like before you're doing mile 47 to 50. And so I thought, even when I was at the top of Hope Pass, I I really thought, I'm still, I'm still going to make this cutoff at 50. I'm still going to make it. And as I started doing those miles on the Colorado trail, I quickly realized, man, these are taking longer than I anticipated. And so I, I knew this is going to be really, really down to the wire. And actually that's the, that's the point in the race where chief and I passed each other. Chief had had made the Winfield cut off and had turned around and was coming back as I was coming into Winfield. And I remember, you know, we kind of shared a, shared a bro hug and he was like, dude, you got to go, you got to go. And we knew it was going to be close. And it turned out I wind around, I come into Winfield and I missed the cutoff at 50 by about seven or eight minutes. And so yeah. it was, yeah, it, it was a, it was a pain as, as chief said earlier, it was a, the sweetest lady standing there to tell you, you know, the good news that you're done for the day. She, she was so sweet and she just, I, I kind of walked up to her and I knew what she was going to say, obviously. And uh, she just kind of hugged me and, you know, it was a, it was a tough moment, but honestly, like if it had been any other person there and they would have had any different message, I think it would have been 10 times worse. So to, to your question, I, I missed the cutoff at mile 50. The cutoff's 14 hours and I rolled in 1407, 1408. Wow. Those cutoffs. Oh, those are so steep. I think our very first 50 mile run was... 14 hours, hours and minutes. yeah. So I'm like, honestly, like you, like that really is a f- good pace to me, but with those cutoffs at Leadville, yeah. that's just nuts. So, okay. I have a couple questions. So how did it feel passing chief? Did, did you feel any kind of like, I don't know where you're like, Oh man, he's so far ahead of me. Or were you just excited for him or kind of all the above? Like, how did it feel to, to pass him? Yeah, no, I I definitely have no thoughts of like, oh man, Chief's so far ahead of me because that's my life all the time. Um, <laughs> You're just used to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, have, I have like, there's no delusion that I'm going to be with or near Chief, you know, from the moment he decides he doesn't have time to wait on me anymore. <laughs> uh, and so, which which he did at a very obvious point in the race, we were coming into. Twin Lakes. I guess we are coming into Twin Lakes. So we come into Twin Lakes, which is right just shy of mile 40. And 
we are maybe two miles out from that. And so we've been together for 35, 36 miles and chief says, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. And I was like, yeah, man, go ahead. Well, his, you know, decision to go ahead by the time I even made it into twin lakes, he was already gone out of twin lakes. And so, you know, just in that couple miles, he had put 10 minutes on me. And so, you know, I, I don't have any expectation to be able to run with chief for any amount of time longer than he lets me. And so seeing him, you know, kind of passing him coming into Winfield, I expected to see him coming back as I was coming in at some point. And I, I think it was it was a good moment. It was uplifting to me. I think it's always in these races to see familiar faces and to kind of have that bond with people who are out there, you know, in their own struggle for me is always a huge lift. And so I, I felt that from him. Um, unfortunately, it was at a time where I think we both recognized like, this is not looking good. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I almost, it's sort of regretful that it wasn't a better moment on course because he, he knew what was happening and I knew what was happening. And it was almost like neither one of us wanted to, you know, recognize the inevitable. Yeah. I remember coming up to him and I was like, Oh, there's Jared. Like, thank gosh. Like I found him, you know, cause when we were running the first 35 miles together and we made a decision, Hey, we're going to run this together. We're going to, we're going to get into twin lakes together. And then after that, we'll do what we need to do. But like, we were getting pretty tight on cutoffs. And I remember we're getting ready down a downhill section. I was like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and let the girls know we're coming in and just kind of went down the mountain and then coming back, seeing him for me, like mile 52 and a half ish for me, you could see on his face, like he was wide eyed and he was very pale. And like, I knew that he's super tight, man. And I was like, I told him, I was like, I know exactly you're about 1.8, two miles out. Like you got, you got to go, man. You have to go. You got to go. And I remember running past him and, and continuing on and, it was just, it was just a, a graveyard of like these people that look like zombies, you know, and like realizing that their day was done and you feel for them so much because they put in just as much training as you have. And it just wasn't their day. And not everybody gets a day in Leadville and you don't want to waste that opportunity. And I felt really bad for them and coming back out of there. And it was Jared and I shared a hug and I, and I tried to motivate him and it was, it was, it was cause he's your, he's your friend. You want him to do well too. And that's what I love about ultras is you want, everybody wants to see everyone succeed. And, and I knew that it was, it was tight. And I, when I came into twin lakes the second time, Jared was there and I asked immediately, I was like, cause I, I ran into Jared's buddy at the entrance coming into twin lakes. He's like, chief, follow me. And I was like, where's Jared and Jeff? And they're like, yeah, they, they didn't make it. And I was like, oh, man. You know, and they were both there. And Beth, my wife, she's like, hey, Jared won't talk to anybody but you. <laughs> like, right oh. <laughs> and, so, and then I, I remember he gave me basically the shot of his back and his poles and all this stuff to keep me going. And, and oh. on the podcast, it was a testament to their integrity and their who they are as a as a person who Jared is, is he, even though his day was done, he did, he met me at every single aid station. That was throughout the night. I mean, all night long, he was meeting me at every aid station. He was there for me. And I thought that was really cool as a friend to be there, to see his friend 
continue on with his race. He get I didn't have like I said, I didn't have any polls because I'm a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> he gave <laughs> me his polls, which saved my life because I needed those polls really, really bad. And I didn't have any. And he met me at every aid station, motivated me on, met me at the finish. And I don't know if there's a lot of people that would have done that. I don't know if a lot of people would have been so bet down on themselves to go and celebrate somebody else finishing something that's so big. And I knew I was like, this is a, this is a solid homie forever for a guy to be able to do that with me all night long and my wife. So it was super cool. Wow. I feel emotional. I feel like that's the, that is the most touching old training story I've ever heard. I just, I just think that's so cool. And also my thoughts are, wow, ultra running is amazing. I, I just feel like you don't get experiences like that in any other sport. I think that's so cool that you were there with Chief Jared after, you know, after dropping out at every single aid station, giving him your gear. And I just think that's, I think that's amazing. So Chief, you know, switching over to you a little bit here. So you went out there with Jared and Jeff. Jeff is your brother, right, Jared? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so you, the three of you, you know, are Jeff's another host of the OK Runners. So Chief, I was, I'm getting to it, I guess. <laughs> Chief, so how was there any point because, you know, Jared drops, then Jeff drops. Was there any point where you were wondering, do I really have this in me? Am I going to make these? Like, was it hard to keep going like, when you knew both your friends had dropped? Yeah. I By the time I had realized that they had both dropped, I was already over probably the hardest part of the race. So no, not at that time. No, but coming back up hope on the backside is extremely difficult because it's not so well groomed like the front side is. And the elevation gain is just as much, but in a smaller mileage. So it's like 2.5 or three miles. You got to climb this 4,000 foot vert. I remember slipping all over the rocks and I was breathing really hard. And I'm like, man, I've got to keep going. I've got like just that, just that march. You just, you know, that relentless forward progress. You just have to continue to keep going. And I just wanted to get to the top of hope because I knew once I got to the top of hope for the second time and hope pass for the listeners that don't understand what we're saying, hope pass is like the hardest climb of the entire race. You climb up to almost 13,000 feet twice in a period of 20 miles. And it is the 20, it's mile 40 to mile 60. So it's way on the backside of the race. You're not fresh. Everything hurts. And when I got to the top of Hope for the second time and I could see Leadville in the distance, that was a giant relief off of my back to say, okay, I've got this. Like I can do this. I just got to keep going. But I've never run this far. The farthest I had run was 50 miles. And I was almost, I was over 50 at that point. And so I'm like, I don't know what 75 to 100 miles looks like. What is what does that look like? And that was the first year we didn't get pacers at Winfield. We didn't get pacers at 50. They changed that two weeks before the race, which was a giant wow. change. Yeah, you guys, that's a big game plan change for everybody. So again, yeah. myself and you know how it is on ultras. You just hook up with random people and you just run with them. You BS with them. And, and, and this guy I was running with from Missouri and he was like, hey, you're on pace to be able to get to Twin Lakes and you can walk it in from Twin Lakes if you needed to, and you can still make the cutoffs. And hearing that was like, oh, 
like a big wow okay i didn't know that that's where we're at but awesome okay so and then when you get into twin lakes if i would have known at 50 i think what you guys are asking would have been much more difficult because you know the buddy's not being there with you and getting to finish with you like it would have been a lot more difficult to continue climbing and going and going i just assumed that they were behind me i just assumed that they're right on my tail i'm gonna see them sometime here in the near future and so no it wasn't too much by the time i had realized it, it you've gotten over a bulk of the course at that point that makes sense I want to ask you guys a little bit more about training together and running together. I'm I'm pulling from my experiences of running with Jacob and running running with someone. There's there's pros and cons. It's awesome to have your running buddies. There's you know you know who to call when you want to do a long run or when you want to sign up for a hundred mile race at the last minute, and it, it's nice to have that accountability and. Also, everyone is different paces and you have to learn how to communicate. And one thing that stood out in, in this story is how, Chief, you decided to go on at mile 35. And and Jared, you were totally okay with that. So to me, that says that, that you guys have spent time running together. You know how to communicate with each other. No one takes things personally or gets like everyone knows that everyone's running their own race. And so I'm just curious, or I, I guess I just want you guys to expound a little bit more on like what it's like running together and training together and being okay with, you know, with Chief finishing and Jared not finishing and, and your training's different, but you still support each other. Do you, do you understand my question? Yeah, I think I do. Okay. And here, here's what I'll say. We do a lot of training together and then we also do a lot of training on our own. And so I, I think that you know, when, when we do our training together, which is mostly the long runs, Chief and I, we, we meet, right? Like right now we're meeting one morning a week and we'll do kind of a shorter, like an hour run before we record a podcast episode. And so we do a little bit of that together, but for the most part, our training together is like weekend long runs. And, and really, I think all of our collective goals on those runs is to get the time in, get the mileage in. And we are much, much less concerned about pacing and things like that for those runs. We fairly naturally at least run a close pace on those types of runs, right? So if we were to run Chief's real pace, it would probably be a little quick for me. But I think he'll say, I hope he'll say that he doesn't have to slow down, you know, too much in order to kind of run the pace that I would normally run. And so I think we kind of default to the slower pace, particularly on our longer runs. But it's really because for those runs, what we're trying to do is just get the mileage in or just get the time in. And and for the, you know, during the week when we're doing the training on our own, those are when, you know, we will do kind of different workouts where maybe the speed matters more. What what do you think, Chief? You think I'm right? I I agree because for me, like on our long runs, it's not about, time and speed just about time on feet getting that body getting your body beat up weekend after weekend after weekend after and then your body recover and as much as jared always picks on me for having a a quicker time those longer slower runs are so beneficial to me because he i'm not that much faster and me being a little slower (laughs) with us running the same pace together and it's not a slow pace but 
that's that's super beneficial to me because those long, long, drawn out, slow miles are so beneficial when it comes to ultras because your body's just used to that beating week in and week out, and you go to the race. And a lot of the back part of those hundreds is not your stamina and your speed and performance. It's just how well can your body hold up? And the only other way that you can mimic that is just running for long periods of time and just putting as much time on your feet as you can. I think what we've learned is those long runs, the main benefit is honestly, a lot of it is the mental benefit of just getting used to long, slow miles in the hot sun, you know, just toughening you up for that when that race day comes. And and that is easier when you're running with a friend, when you have someone with you. I, I feel like that's really similar to Jacob and I, I feel like when we do long runs together, our pace, like we're pretty similar. Jacob is a little bit faster than me. (laughs) And, but we, you know, default to the slower pace and then, but I don't feel guilty because I I know that like you slowing down is good. You're in your fat burning zone. That's where we want to be. Anyways, do you guys feel like all these long, slow runs together? Do you feel like you guys have grown closer together as friends? Absolutely. Absolutely. We know, I know more about Jared than most people and he knows more (laughs) about me than most people. Cause when you're running for 10 hours together on a long run on a weekend, all you got is we don't listen to any music or anything. So all we have is just our conversation. I said him and I just shooting the, shooting the breeze and just learning more about each other. And when you're not only going through hard things together with somebody, but when you're training with them together, you just get to know them so much more and your relationship just gets more and more stronger because it's yeah, you know, I'll come back from a long run and be like, Hey, what you and Jared, what, what Jared have to say? I'm like, well, which hour do you want to talk about? You know, <laughs> and I don't hardly can recall any of our conversation, but it's just, it's just yeah. tough. And I, I learned, I look at Jared like a mentor too, because he's been so successful in, in his career and his life. And I always, even though we're the same age, I turn to him for like a lot of just guidance and, and path forward for me. And I, I really take advantage of our time together and like ask him tough questions about parenting or life or, or your job or just success in general. And, and him the same, he asked me some questions this weekend when we were running and we kind of feed off each other and, and kind of guide each other, not only through running, but through life. I love it. That's yeah. Awesome. Chief gets a lot of free that. advice while we train. Always <laughs> <laughs> ask. <laughs> I was like, eventually we have to start paying you. <laughs> no, I think, you know, we have, there is no doubt we have gotten so much closer. I think both through the training together, but, you know, also Chief and I have, we've taken trips to go to races together. We've, you know, there's been a lot of things that I think probably contribute to our relationship getting getting much deeper and stronger. You know, there's something about when when you go out and take on challenges together with somebody else, there's something about that that I think necessarily bonds you. You know, there's there's very few people, I think, that really know what someone else is like when they're in kind of the middle of one of those times of struggle. You know, when you're when you're deep in the pain cave. And there's somebody else there, you know, that's a whole different version of, of you that not many people get to experience firsthand. I mean, I remember, you know, I, I paced Chief. Actually, I was Blake's pacer for the Arkansas Traveler. And so him and Chief were together. And so I got to go 
all through the night with Blake and Chief. And, you know, you just, the, the conversations that you have, the kind of feelings that you get to experience in those moments, I think bond you together, you know, probably like few other things do. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, Chief now is, you know, one of my really great friends that I trust with everything that I ask for advice for that, you know, I ask for the, what we were talking about this weekend, I was telling them that I was introducing my children to certain kinds of music. And I was like, what, what do you think about this? Is it, am I messing this up? And uh, you know, things as, as kind of, you know, trivial as just everyday life questions. I'll run it by chief because look, we've got a couple hours together and what else are we going to do? And I, I, I feel honored for the fact that he asked me those kinds of questions sometimes too, because I try to, I try to provide good advice because I look at him like this is kind of guy that's got his life together. He, he's heading in the right path. And so I don't know, giving each other kind of honest feedback about life and like, Hey, I don't know if you're doing the right thing or yeah, you are doing the right thing. And we've been friends for so long that um, I can, I can be honest with him and he can be honest with me and nobody, nobody takes that to heart at all. And, and I think, guys, that relationship, you know, taking this back to like Leadville the, the first year, that relationship is, I think, why, you know, when when the day didn't go the way I wanted it to, what I turned to was like, OK, Chief is still in this thing and Chief can still finish. And that's been one of our goals, our collective goals, you know, for all of these months. And so that's why I think it's it was so easy for me to kind of turn and genuinely be. Chiefs fan, like, the, you know, you still got something out here that's really incredible that you can accomplish. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that happens for you. And I, I think our relationship is why that happens so naturally. That's awesome. That, I mean, that really is a special thing to have. It's not something you come across. It, it really is. This, this whole podcast, I'm like, yes, you guys get it. You get ultra running. This is why it's so amazing. It, and it was, I, I'm just, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say that this, like building these relationships on the trails, is something that I personally am so um, uh, passionate about because Jacob and I, we, we've had a lot of people say like, you guys run together. Like you guys are married, you run together. And we've even had some people say like, never run with your spouse or never have your spouse pace you. And you know, like we have had really hard times on the trail, but it has brought us so close together. And basically everything you said, you know, when you run with someone or when, when you do a big race with someone, they see you at, at your purest, most raw state. And not a lot of people get to see you in that. And I, I just feel like it, it's those times of vulnerability when we really connect with others. And I feel like ultra running just takes you to you know, those, the very most vulnerable parts of yourself and sharing that with someone, I just think is so special. So I think that's so cool that you guys have been able to share those moments together and, and strengthen your relationship through doing these races together. So chief, what was it like then finishing that hundred mile finishing Leadville? We, we never hit on that. We had, we've got to know what was that like coming across the finish line? And then now looking back on the race, like, what was your takeaway from that race? What did you learn about yourself through those hundred miles? So to answer the first question, what it was like to finish it. I remember the last six miles, like I thought my watch was messed up. I was like, we're so much closer than six miles. Something's wrong with my watch. 
And because uh, <laughs> it was an uphill, I said, I'm a running downhill. Like we're like, my wife paced the last she she paced the last 13 with me. And coming in at the end and like seeing everybody at the last few blocks before you finish and cheering you on and you got cameras in your face and these people recording you and asking you these questions and you're like you're not in a good place like mentally or physically and and then seeing my friends which I didn't expect I mean I knew they'd been there at every aid station but it's like I don't know if they'll be able to time when I finish you know whatever and they were there and seeing my friends at the end meant a lot to me and then crossing the line was kind of like, um, I always get emotional about the, the end of the race because it's just so much, right? But um, crossing the line was like, um, kind of like baptism by fire. It was like, hey, I we had asked these questions before the race, like, what makes you so scared? What's the scare? What's the scariest part about this race for you? And, and to me, was like the thought of failure. Um, I had told of so many people that I was going to do this race, and I didn't want to come home back to work, and then everybody. And their grandma asked me, how'd you race? How'd you race? How'd you race? No, I mean, I didn't finish. I didn't finish. I didn't finish. And so part of that, knowing like, I always consider myself tough, but it was like, I need to do this race to prove to myself. Like, are you as tough as you think you are? Because you talk a big game, but you need to go out and you need to prove it. You need to show it. And yeah, I like, like you, Jacob, I've done two hundreds. I did the Arkansas Traveler 100 last October too in, in Arkansas. So I ran that one with Blake that you guys had on the podcast. So him and I ran race together. And, but that race was cool to finish. I wasn't as, as good physically as I was at Leadville coming to the finish on that one. But the one in Leadville will always be special. That'll be the belt buckle I wear for the rest of my life because it was your first. And there's so many unknowns to that first and being able to cross the line and, and knowing that, you know, wow, I had it in me today and I may not have that tomorrow. And it was really, really cool feeling. And then we met a guy from Minnesota that listened to the podcast and he was volunteering because he wanted to run the next year and, and seeing these guys. And then the funny part is my wife always laughs that <laughs> I know what you're going to say. finished. <laughs> My wife was running with me and I went to Beth went to give me a hug and Jared just like pushed her and stiffed on her right out of the way. Gave me a big hug. Oh my gosh. That is the best thing I've ever heard. She says I I stole the first hug after the finish line. That is funny. (laughs) You better steal Courtney's hug. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, see, so, you, you, guys, you guys have been at, at finish lines at, you know, kind of these races. And, and obviously, you know, most of these 100-mile finishers, they've been going all through the night. And and so, you know, it, there's just a feeling that I think is pretty special at these finish lines. And so to see these people and to, to know kind of what they've been through over the last, you know, 20 to 30 hours, there's just something that I think commands a lot of respect and a lot of admiration for that. And you just feel so, I think, much joy for them in knowing, you know, the struggle that they've gone through and to see them overcome it. It was, it was incredible. It was incredible to see Chief finish. It was incredible to see people you don't even know, right? I mean, you just, you don't even know them, but the look on their face and body tells you the whole story that you, you know, you need to know. And, and so I think those are, that's really special. I mean, I think if you're, for anybody who thinks, man, maybe I want to do this, 
if, if you don't want to get really committed to it, don't go stand at a finish line and watch people finish because there's something about that that will have you signed up for something. Exactly. I can guarantee you. That's the truth. <laughs> 100%. Jared's so funny. He was like, thank God you finished because it gave our podcast some legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big reason we had to finish not, our first hundred. Yeah, we like, lie, we yeah. don't want to tell the whole podcast that we failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I, I say I, I took one for the team. I was the DNF because, you know, I think we needed that, you know, dynamic on the podcast. We needed a finish and we needed a failure. So that you know, we could uh-huh. we could really speak to all aspects of it. So, you know, I, I was the one who took one for the team on that, or else I probably would finish. I would say I think so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> no, you, I think it's a beautiful dynamic. We want to capture on the podcast though those DNS because like nobody ever records that. Nobody shares what it looks like yeah. on the other side, and so share yeah. capturing that and sharing it and let them know like, hey, you're not alone. Like more, more often, more people don't finish than they do. And that's okay. That just gives you another insight to what Jared's struggles were in the race and what he went through. And maybe it was similar. Maybe it wasn't similar. Maybe it's something you can put in your toolbox for next race. And they'll, Hey, I remember that podcast. They talk about this and this is what they did and, and overcame that. And so, yeah, I mean, capturing the DNFs are just as important. If I think more important than did not. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're going to make ultra running a part of your life, DNFs are inevitable. It's going to happen. You're If you're going to continue to run ultras, you're going to DNF at some point. It's just a part of the game. So, Jared, now looking back, I wish we had more time. Uh, I know. I'm I like, like, we could go a few like more hours. literally touched <laughs> on everything. Because so for our listeners, no, you went back the next year and you had a second DNF, correct? That's correct. And and uh, and so i guess my question is here like what keeps you going back and what have you been changing in your training to try to finally get that that leadville 100 finish underneath you yeah well so the answer to the first question i don't know that i have an answer i i don't i i don't know that i can like pinpoint what keeps me going back i love the race and and Here's what I would say. Even if I were not running the hundred, I would love for someone I know to be running it so that I could go out there and support them and pace them. I love the race. I love the atmosphere of it. And so there's something about that. I think that that keeps me interested in it. But at the end of the day, there is a void for me that says I have to finish this race. And, and, and I don't know exactly why, and I don't think, you know, it's, I've seen people finish. I know Chief very well. And I think, you know, certainly finishing that race has done things for him in his life. But I don't think that finishing it is going to change my life. I think that a lot of that change has probably already happened just by, you know, by taking on these things. But with all that said, there is a void for me that apparently only the Leadville buckle can fill. And so, <laughs> I am committed to finishing the race and however that has to happen, I guess I'll just keep doing it until I get across the finish line. It feels like that's the end of this journey, right? That that journey that started in the restaurant when I said, what if we signed up for Leadville 100? For some reason, it doesn't feel like there is an end to that. That is anything other than taking that step across the finish line. So that's my best attempt at answering the first question. What am I doing different? 
I'm doing a lot of things different this year. I am, I, I'm first of all, kind of training specific. I'm doing a lot of strength training this year that I've never really done. And, and the reason for that is when you get up in the mountains, you find out if you're from Oklahoma, like being fit for the mountains is very different from being able to go out and put down miles, you know, around Lake Draper. And, and it challenges, I think, the way your body holds up. And I'm a, I'm a big guy. I, I walk around typically weighing about 230 pounds. And so it's, you know, that pounding over that many hours and that many miles kind of, you know, trying to lug that weight up a mountain. I I think the strength part of it, I've been, I've been missing to some degree. And so I'm doing a lot of that. I'm also trying not to weigh 230 pounds when I get to the race. So (laughs) try to (laughs) go with that for both ends, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of that. The other thing this year is I'm not just doing the Leadville 100 run. I'm doing the whole Leadman series. And I'm really excited about this because one thing that this Leadville journey did for us in our training is it got me off my bike and it got me into just being kind of a runner. And that's that's not me. That's not how I've ever trained. I don't even, dare I say, enjoy running all that much. But I, but I like being active. I like getting out there. And so getting back on my bike this year has really been like a great thing for me. It's been really invigorating. It's been, I think, motivating. It's kind of got me mentally back to enjoying the process of getting ready to take something on. And I feel like that's been missing for us over the last couple of years. It's the, you know, for the past well, we had our COVID year. So our first attempt at the race got deferred one year. And so in my life, the Leadville 100 has been out there for like three years as just like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And it in some ways kind of, I think, got me away from enjoying the process and, and enjoying the training and kind of, you know, having some satisfaction in getting fit and having your body perform when you need it to perform. You know, there's something that feels really great about that. And so I'm trying to get back toward focusing more on being all around in better fitness and being stronger and enjoying that a lot more. And I like that. With When it comes the second year that Jared ran it, like I didn't want to mention anything, but I wanted to be his pacer like so bad. And because I felt like I owed it to him for what he did to me for my race. And, and he's my friend and I want to be there. And then he asked me like, Hey, will you pay? Absolutely. I'll be there. And I would be there every single year for him until he crosses that line. I refuse not to be there. So again, this year, he hasn't formally asked me yet, but I'm going ahead and just go ahead. I'm sitting now. I am pacing him for the lead bill again this year. And I, I can't wait. I, I just, I look forward to, being able to share that with him and being able to be there for when he crosses the line. And then we can just close this chapter and just open a new chapter, whatever our journey brings us. And I always joke with him. I was like, it had been as much money as you spent in Leadville. It'd just be cheaper to go buy a belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> you could have bought one with some diamonds. By now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think that's awesome and that's a whole other thing we could get into if we had time was how amazing pacing is also i did have to point out i've only seen oklahoma runners actually wear their belt buckles (laughs) (laughs) 
I just think that's funny. <laughs> Jacob loves wearing his his big belt oh, buckle. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely, I wear it everywhere. I, I don't go anywhere without. I asked my wife. I was like, "Where should I wear this?" She she's like, "You can wear it swimming. You can wear whatever you want." She's like, "You've earned that belt." Like two I love it. I love. I mean, it's such a cool looking belt buckle too. You know, like the Leadville one is so neat looking. And my, we were in Colorado this year snowboarding with my my, my kids. And my son had bought a belt at a thrift store and he was like, Hey dad, can I, can I wear your Arkansas traveler belt buckle? I was like, absolutely not, man. Absolutely not. I was Dude, like, no way. You go earn your, I'll sign you up for Arkansas or Leadville and you go earn your own belt buckle. And but no, no, you can't wear any of my belt buckles, man. I'm sorry. Uh-uh. <laughs> so we, it's sad to say we got to start wrapping this up, but you guys, how we found you guys is you get, as we mentioned through this podcast, you have your own podcast called The Okay Runners, where you definitely dive. What If our listeners are interested in your story, like you guys go into way more detail about your training plans, your how training's going, more details about the race. So please go check it out. Can you guys tell us how you guys started your podcast and what you're doing with it? Yeah, so our first episode we ever recorded was that question right there. Like, how did we start, get started and why did we did it? When, when again, Jared signed us up for the Leadville, we got to, we love podcasts. We're podcast junkies. Like, I love Joe Rogan and I love Jocko and Lex Friedman, all those big time podcasts. But we got to like researching about, hey, let's find a podcast about how to run 100 miles. And when you got into it, there just wasn't one. There wasn't a podcast out there that really resonated with us. There was like a lot of podcasts about professional runners, which was super cool, very insightful, but they didn't connect with the average person and didn't explain in detail the things that they take for granted, like eating and running. Like, what does it look like to get enough sodium when you're running? What is a training plan? How do you find a training plan? How do you know it's the right training plan? And so Jared, again, had a great idea. Like, we should start a podcast. And I'm like, man, I don't even know what to talk about. He's like, I don't know either, but let's just turn the mic on and let's just start talking about our journey and, and see where it goes. And it's been a lot of fun because we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from people via just friends or email or Instagram about, wow, I didn't know that you're supposed to eat when you run. I didn't know that when you should have a running vest, if you're going to do this a bigger mileage race, that running vests were so much more important than handhelds or your favorite shoe was Hoka. I'd never even heard of Hoka. And that was, that's been the most rewarding part of the podcast is being able to resonate with the average mom or dad that wants to do something outside of normal, but how to do that in a normal life. And that's very difficult thing. It's even more difficult than being a professional runner, in my opinion. Yeah. I, that's uh, chief hit it right there at the end. The, the biggest point to me is, you know, the motivation for us was, Speaking to people like us who who do have jobs and and we have kids and, you know, adding any kind of endurance sport is an add on to our life. It it can't be everything in our life. It can't be the sole focus. It's got to get fit in around everything else. And we were convinced that you could fit it in and still take on things like the Leadville 100 or, you know, or whatever the equivalent is for someone else. And that was what we thought was, was kind of missing is just something out there to talk to people who really don't know what they're doing, but want to try it anyway. 
because I think that really describes us. And even to this day, I mean, I don't consider, you know, chief necessarily a beginner. I don't consider anybody who's ever run a hundred miles, you know, a beginner ultra runner. Right. I mean, that's, I think you're really getting up there with the very select few. However, it's not what we do every day. It's not, you know, kind of the, the driving focus of our life. And so I think there's real value in connecting with people who don't necessarily want to give up on all of these kind of crazy adventures that I think can add so much to your life and so much to your, to your family's lives. And, you know, it's, I love that my kids see us try these things. I love that my kids see me fail at these things. I just think that type of stuff is so invaluable. And to me, that's what our our podcast is trying to do. Similar to you guys is, is just be an introductory step in making it accessible to, to people who maybe think it's just reserved for people that can do it for a living. Amen. I love it. Yeah, that's exactly what what we're all about and what we believe, you know, like you don't have to be Courtney Dawwater in order to finish 100 miles. You don't, you know, it doesn't have to take over your whole life. Like there are still ways to do this and to to keep going even through the grind of life. So before we let you guys go, what advice do you have for beginner ultra runners out there? What's one piece of advice if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, Hey Jared, Hey chief, I'm going to run a hundred miles. What advice do you got for me? I mean, I'd say do it. Find, find a, find a race that captures you because you're going to spend a lot of time training. And I think it is so helpful if during that training, there's something out there that you can latch on to that kind of, you know, will create that feeling for you of this is why I signed up in the first place. I want to be there. I want to walk across that finish line. And I don't think all races necessarily do that for you. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm not, I've never signed up for a hundred mile race other than level 100. And I don't have any intention to at this point, because that to me is kind of that image that's implanted in my head that I see when I'm on the treadmill or I'm on the trail or whatever, I I think that it's really important to go after something that is moving to you because it is going to be hard. There's going to be stumbles along the way. There's going to be times where you were supposed to get a 15 mile run in and guess what? You shut down at 11 for whatever reason. And, And you can, you can beat yourself up about those things. But if you kind of keep in mind what you're, what you're doing and what the end of that road is like, then I think you can bounce back. And and to me, ultra running is all about kind of how you react to whatever's going wrong because inevitably things are going wrong. Um, so that that's that's what I would say. I don't know if it's good advice or bad advice. You might find yourself signed up for races you shouldn't be signed up for, but at the end of the day, you'll learn something anyway, even if they go terribly wrong. I'm, I'm, I can tell you that from, you know, the- <laughs> multiple dnfs you know and i'm I'm still here and still smiling about it so there's there's a lot of great benefits even in the failures jared does a really good job of motivating you to do things that you didn't want to do and, uh, my, my answer would be would be similar to jared's in why why do you want to run 100 miles or or 50k or 50 miles or 100k why well in in that answer to me is very important because it explains whether I, I think you should or should not do that. And 
if if your why for wanting to be here is that's testing your limits or just doing something abnormal or being extraordinary in a very ordinary world, then I think you got it. I think that's why you should do it. But the thought of why, just because you want to wear a belt buckle, that will not get you across the line. I promise you that is not what it is. What it is is a test of you and your grit and your determination and your ability to have discipline through your life to find that balance between training and being a parent. And there's a lot to that. And that has a lot to unfold. And if you if your why is bigger than the race, then you've got it. Yep. Sign up. Go do go do a race and come at me with as many questions as I can help you with. And if I don't know, we'll figure it out. But my biggest advice is to ensure that you're towing the line for the right reasons and not just for the, the thought of wanting to have the belt buckle and the recognition yeah. of wanting to complete the race. Not just for the glory. Not just for the glory. Because it's a long, 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 long road to get to that <laughs> training <laughs> And it is all the road to get to the finish line, I promise. Like, if it's it just for the glory, it might not even get you through the training. Yeah. yeah. So where can our listeners find you if they do have any questions and want to reach out to you guys? So you can reach out to us. We both have Instagram handles. I'm Savage Navy Chief. He's Iron Man Lawyer. And we also have The OK Runners on Instagram and theokrunners at gmail.com. And we're really good about answering those questions and then using a lot of times we'll get questions and we'll just make a podcast out of that question sometimes. So yeah, if there's, if there's questions, what you, what you like, if you don't like anything, you guys can reach out to the trail 100 podcast. And just tell them, <laughs> I'm kidding, but what you like, we, we just, we, we don't really know what we're doing and we're just trying to help. And we're trying to capture ourselves and our journey and whatever we can do. Whatever questions you have, we try to make that into a podcast for you and go from there. We'll give you advice. It may be bad advice, but we'll give you advice if that's what you want. <laughs> Unsolicited advice is all we have for you. I promise. Awesome. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much because we've really appreciated you guys coming on. You have a great podcast. And once again, I tell our listeners, go check it out. If you want a podcast for the average man, average average woman, go check it out because you guys share so much valuable insights about how to train for these big grand races and how to still chase these dreams while having a family and having a career and dealing with everything else in between. So thanks for doing what you're doing because you're doing a lot of good. Thank you guys. Thank, thank you guys you. so much. And I thank Blake for linking us up for being such a social media influencer. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness for Blake and his marketing skills. <laughs> <laughs> so big thank you to the okay runners, Jared and chief. I want to keep chatting. That was fun. That was really fun. They they are some. Awesome I have so many favorites. more questions. I guess I just had to he head over to their podcast. And yeah. To get some like, of the questions I had. Like honestly, answered. guys, we just touched the iceberg. I've listened to quite a few of their episodes, and they are good. Like what they said, they made it for the average everyday mom or dad that wants to still go through and have these fun adventures and these great experiences. It's possible you can do it if yeah. you have kids and a job and. Yeah. You can do it. And they talk about how to do it with a family and with kids, which is something we don't have yet. But, you know, like, so it's something we value. It's something that's really important to us. Yeah. We plan on having a family yeah. and and we really respect that. Yeah. Yeah. We really respect what they're doing. So great guys. Thank you for the time.
So Melody, what's your takeaways? It's really hard to pick just one takeaway because I, I feel like I learned a lot from this episode. I would say the biggest thing that stood out to me was just their relationship. Just the whole story of Jared cheering on Chief after he dropped out and then just talking about the experiences that they've had on the trails together. And just because it makes me think about the experiences we've had together on the trails. And I cherish those moments so much. And I I love that ultra running together has given us so many memories and so many experiences together. And I wish that all spouses ran ultras together <laughs> because I think I just think it's so good for for any relationship to do hard things together. So that that was probably my my biggest takeaway. I like how he. I think G- Chief was talking about how he Chief was talking about how it created a bond between them, a special like unbreakable bond. Yeah, about doing something that hard and that crazy together, you know. And I and it's something you just don't get it until you experience it yeah. with someone else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, pretty neat, pretty neat what they yeah. do. What I liked is. I liked Jared's, I liked how when he was talking, he was sharing about, he's just sitting in a restaurant and he signed up for the hundred. He didn't, he didn't think about it. He didn't analyze it. I love that. And then he said, and after I signed up, I decided to do some research about the race. (laughs) You know, and then also, you know, chief, he then tells chief, Hey, you got to decide within two hours. Are we going to do this or not, you know, in order to put in? Because he's right. The longer you sit on it and chew on it and overthink it, the the easier it's going to be yeah. to back out. So, like, yeah, my takeaway with that is I think that's amazing advice. Sure, you can do a lot of stupid things, but you can also do a lot of great things by doing that. And honestly, the line between stupid and great probably isn't that far apart. <laughs> it's a matter of how you handle the situation, which I guess can make it stupid or great. But I think it, it, that's... That's just something that that I struggle with is I overanalyze a lot of things and I think about things too long to where I a lot of times will end up not doing anything because I'm in still analyzing this, this trying to decide if you find yourself really in decision a, paralysis. Yeah. 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 And so like hearing the way Jared and Chief were able to just they knew Jared just knew. 100 miles was what he wanted to do. Leadville was what he wanted to do. Boom, submitted it. And, you know, That's and awesome. then you figure it out. You figure it out. Exactly. Too often, you know, we're just going to think, ah, oh, I don't think I have the time or la di da. And so, yeah, if you tell yourself that, you're never going to figure it out. But they just knew they wanted to do it. He did it. And then he figured it out. Just do it. Yeah. <sighs> Every time I'm like, man, Nike did so good with that catchphrase. <laughs> So thank you, Jared and Chief. That was great to hear from you guys. You're two awesome dudes. Everyone go check out their podcast. Now, one last thing before we leave you all today is we are starting a new section of our podcast called The Runner's Advice. The Runner's Advice section. The Runner's Advice <laughs> section. So we want to hear questions from you, the listener. And like what you're signed up for, what you're training for, and what questions, questions do you have, you have about your training? Yeah, 
go to our Instagram, Trail to 100, send us a message and ask us your questions and we'll answer them here on the podcast. And just a reminder, we're not professionals. The The advice and answers we're going to give you are based off of our personal experience and personal research. And hopefully it yeah. helps. It's fun <laughs> to talk about yeah. runner stuff to other runners, you know? So please, we'd love to hear you guys' questions. The runner's advice corner of the podcast. Should we name it that? Sure. <laughs> and uh, and just, you know, and we'd love to share it on air and we'd share our thoughts and uh, maybe we'll get other listeners tuning in with their thoughts as well. So thank you everyone for listening. You can email those questions into us at trail to 100 at gmail.com or you can send it into us at our Instagram. Just slide into our DMs, as the cool kids <laughs> said. And that's at Trail to 100. Don't pretend like you know what the cool kids say. <laughs> you teach me what the cool kids say. Aww. <laughs> also, don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on Apple and Spotify. It makes it so we can reach more runners like you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we will talk to you all next time. Hey guys, it's Melody here. Thank you so much for listening to Trail. It means so much to us. I'm really excited to tell you about my coaching business where I help average Joes who are looking for a little bit more out of life do something big to find a little bit more purpose, direction, and meaning. I know what it's like to feel stagnant or like something's missing or like you just want more out of life. I was in the same spot Jacob and I had just gotten married and we were both working nine to five jobs and we just were like, what do we do now? We, we just wanted something more and we listened to David Goggins book and we decided to sign up for a 50 mile race. And since then we've done fifties, we've done, Jacob's done a couple hundreds, I've done one 100 and, and running has changed our lives. I feel like I always have a goal to work towards. I feel accomplished and proud of myself. I feel like I have learned countless life lessons that have made me a better friend, a better wife, a better daughter, a better person. And I want to give back and help you do the same thing. I'm telling you, running can change your life. If you're ready to jump in and sign up for a race, whether it's three miles or 100 miles, I would be honored to help you cross the finish line. If you want to learn more or get in touch with me, go to my Instagram at Pine Tree Running or my website, MelodyBateman.biz. You have so much potential and you are way stronger than you know. Let's find your strength because it's there just waiting to be tapped into.